Welcome to the Film Realist, the film and TV podcast from a complete nobody that's hopefully for somebody. Coming back after another one-week break because January slash February has been slow, but there's been a lot of news and the Super Bowl just happened, so there's a lot of trailers. And because I think I teased this last time with a Flash trailer suspected to be coming with the Super Bowl, he held up his end. Stephen Colbert is back joining me, Kyle Naranya. Stephen, welcome back. Hi, thanks. You, me I and didn't... my my 30% there voice. <laughs> it's fine. You're better off than me just doing it because I've tried doing <laughs> trailers by myself and it's not the same. So thank you for joining me. We're going to be talking about three main trailers. One that I have a lot to say about. One that is not a trailer. It's a TV spot. And one that... I don't even honestly I don't know how to feel about it. I know Jermaine you're listening to this says uh that DC has some big guns coming pun maybe intended now that I've said it. But uh there's a lot in that in the Flash. Is it listed as the theatrical trailer? It might as well be cuz I think it lays out the narrative. I don't know how they'd even differentiate any of that anymore. I used to be really particular about the differences and now it just seems like everything is just kind of the same. <laughs> Let's see, what does Warner Brothers say? So Warner Brothers and DC have listed it as official trailer. Mm-hmm. Great. All right, so that, that that got us nowhere. So the three trailers that are going to be discussed are Fast X, which was a short film, uh, a Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which was a 30-second TV spot, and obviously The Flash. Uh, time codes for each of those will be in the description if I get to it. If I don't, just enjoy some rampant speculation and all sorts of random shenanigans that Steven and I get up to because there will be rants and segues to nothing because that's typically how it works. This is likely to be a longer episode, so enjoy. I can say next week I will be back with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Tickets for that are already purchased, and I can actually say I already have my tickets for Fast X. So, all I that's s- locked in. I woke up to a no- notification from, from Fandango on that, and I was like, tickets are available. When does this even come out? Like, I had to look at the calendar. I was like, I don't know the last time I've seen tickets go up that that far out. I think it, the last big time... That's a terrible sentence. The hmm. most notable time for me was the No Way Home tickets. That was a pretty notable, that, for, at least up here in Canada, that crashed Cineplex, our major theatrical chain's website, which was super annoying. What's more ironic about the whole situation is that you can't get tickets for Creed 3, you can't get tickets for Shazam, mm-hmm. and I don't, you can't get tickets for Super Mario Bros. yet, or The Flash. Like, they're, I believe it's mid-May. So there's like some things that are coming up relatively soon. Can't get tickets for them yet. But Shazam uh, may have its own PR difficulties. Anyways. Uh, moving into Fast X. Now, before we get into the specifics with this trailer, what is your relationship with the Fast and the Furious franchise? Um, I don't... I, I liked... Um... I was a big fan of most of the early ones. Uh, and then I kind of fell off the franchise a little bit. Uh, Tokyo Drift took me out of it quite a bit. But then a few years later, I went back and I caught up on a bunch of them. 
and was like, oh, wow, that was like, that's, you know, fast. Well, the fourth one was just called Fast or The Fast. No, no. Fast and Furious was the fourth. Right. Um, yes. They took out the thes right. for, for number four. Uh, and, and, and I was always a huge Too Fast, Too Furious fan. Like, just it's, it's like it really embraced the camp in a, in a great way. But that also it's loved, a cartoon. Yeah. And like Fast Five and Fast and Furious Six were all um, great. Furious Seven, I thought, really stuck the landing in a way that um, I didn't know if I, if they'd be able to. Um, and but it was all there was a sense of self awareness to all of them that I think starting with Fast Eight, at least Vin Diesel and maybe a few other people don't know what franchise they're in anymore. Um, and I think that that really summarizes effectively my thoughts on this trailer as well. Where it's like there's a lot of cool stuff in it, but I'm not sure they are all in the same acting in the same movie. <laughs> like Momoa is like Momoa knows exactly what movie he's in. Um, I think Vin Diesel, especially with his recent like comparing it to writing Lord of the Rings comments, I think he thinks that he this is something different. <laughs> I think that's certainly fair. I have a funny relationship with the Fast and Furious films. I. Never saw the first. I sorry, I never. I had only seen the second one on TBS, what I believe is now called Peachtree. It was a <laughs> frequent film on that channel, and then didn't really get into them until four. Like backtracked, watch one through four. I did not like Tokyo Drift. It's grown on me with time because of Han. Yeah, retroactively being like, this is a sick character. It's well, too bad he's dead. And <laughs> well, and a lot of those early, like especially Tokyo Drift, is a good example of like the franchise later on really got to hugging the 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 camp and the and the serious street racing vibe. Tokyo Drift was the first one that like really kind of went off course in this new genre, whatever it is that it's doing. Where like if you watch it totally unseriously, it's it's a it's a riot, but nobody had they didn't tell us yet that we weren't supposed to take it seriously <laughs> mm-hmm. that's been ultimately i think the sticking point for me is the self-awareness to some degree but also and i don't mean to say this facetiously but like the heart and the family aspect to some degree was done well like you're grading these movies in their own box like we did a i did a tier list and i'll probably redo do my own when 10 comes out of where you're because you're ranking them against themselves. I was contemplating doing a DCEU one before The Flash, but it doesn't really make sense until those films come out adjacent or otherwise. But I think the series was at its best when it was Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. The chemistry between the two of them quite literally kept the whole thing together. And five is the best the franchise ever had. It was a great villain slash anti like an antagonist with the rock who then off like ultimately becomes like not a member of the family, but like a literally butting heads with Vin Diesel character, like something the franchise didn't have four films in they retroactively made Braga more involved in stuff. And like the arcs that they were kind of building to seven really worked retroactively, which is ironic because of what we get in fast X, but I think, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I was talking to somebody about the trailer today. 
I think without Brian and Paul Walker in these films, it has really affected the whole machine. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, because clearly these films financially are doing well, but they are more and more cartoons, which can be wildly entertaining. It's it's but... almost like The Office without Jim. Yeah, it is. It's It's so strange. And it's unfortunate that... What seems to be more abundantly clear, specifically with eight and nine, is they don't even actually the perfect comparison would be like Transformers four and five, where you are continuing to add to the canon, but retroactively you're changing it. But it doesn't seem like you'd seen the previous movies beforehand. Brian Toretto in eight, we're spoiling all of them before we can get into ten. At best, should have been like two or three years old by the time we meet him. And if not, he's the largest infant I've ever seen. Which is every movie infant also. Also true. but, but that's Especially him. Yeah. yeah. Especially him. And then with the relationship that Vin Diesel has developed with The Rock, you lose that aspect of it, which then you got Hobbs and Shaw, which I think is better than 9 and 10. Or not, I haven't seen 10, 9 and 8. And then... We get to 10, which is another retcon, which I actually don't have a problem with. Like, throwing a character who you didn't really see in the background is kind of something that has been done throughout a lot of film, a lot of sequels. One of my favorites is when they did Back to the Future 2 and they were revisiting the events of the first film in a fun way. So having Jason Momoa... No, you're right. Know exactly what he's supposed <laughs> he, he to be He understands doing. the assignment. It's like he's... Vin Diesel is Elizabeth Berkeley in Showgirls. And Jason Momoa is uh, Kyle MacLachlan. Where, like, he knows what movie they're making. And unfortunately, Elizabeth did not. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, that's not for children. Children listening, do not go watch that film. So it's unfortunate that that's the case because... The earnestness of the franchise has always been something I've enjoyed. And I watched the trailer on my own and then watched it with my wife. And she says, what's happening? And I said, I don't know. Outside of Jason Momoa now being Reyes's son, which I think is a f- decent enough thread, like for the 10th film of the franchise to be pulling at the fifth. But it became abundantly clear to me that they don't know what to do with Brian, specifically because I read an interview with Louis Leterrier today who said there are going to be flashbacks to five. So Brian and Paul Walker was alive for five. So what I find most interesting is this may actually be confirmation that they've shot new stuff with Paul Walker's brothers to use in five or the footage for five. I don't know how I feel because on one hand, that's a smart, that's way better. And I'm at way less like, offensive isn't the right word but I'm way less bothered by the idea of that than I would be about them just bringing him in as a full-blown character in the new stuff but mm-hmm. also <laughs> it's just it's I don't know it's a can of worms it's icky I heard the descriptions on another podcast where they talked about bringing somebody back from the dead where it's it's just there is it is impossible to describe accurately in the off-putting nature of it the only time that is has been successful to some degree was seven was a movie in production 
And Rise of Skywalker, I guess because it was all actual footage of Carrie Fisher, you're not bringing somebody back from the dead. I think if you would a- if you asked the Fast and Furious fandom, it's too many Fs in a sentence, the only really acceptable factor would have been, and I think we all know where it's going, it's going to be the longest table imaginable at a barbecue and Brian sitting there for it. Yeah. Right? Like, that's that was the only instance. And the only issue that I have with it, and it's not, I wouldn't even describe it as an issue, hesitancy behind it is... I don't like it, but where I struggle with declining or like disapproving of it happening is fundamentally it comes down to what do the walkers think? What is, uh, I want to say it's Melanie. I believe it's Melanie Paul's daughter. If they're given the green light, then like, I guess like fundamentally then I mean, legally they have the permission to do it, but it's never that level of recreation has never been done well tarkin in rogue one would have been so much better if it was just back of the head he never turns around to talk to oh no oh my brain Krennic. what's that guy yeah thank you um bad guy from everything mm-hmm. from 2016 to 2019 <laughs> um but so i don't know i think it's Fine that they're just making them bigger and stupid. It's clear that Vin's brought in John Cena to be the new big wrestler guy in it. Like it's it's comical to me though that everybody is in this. Obviously, The Rock goes without saying. It's weird, but Luke Evans. Where is Luke Evans? He was the reason Seven happened. Which is one of the, I'd say five, six, and seven are the best in the franchise. Six was fantastic given the fact that it, it came off of five and was compelling. It was it was the evil twins storyline against all of the, the family. <laughs> so And the fact that we know he's better because he showed up in eight to help save the baby. But then he's nowhere for the green screen New York barbecue. I, um... Or where's Vanessa Kirby? She I, was in Hobbs and Shaw. I have such a hard time keeping track of any of it. It's like I, I, it's enjoyable, but when once we start talking about characters and stuff, my brain is like, no. ask away. I'll answer your questions. What's the first no, question that came to your head? I, I got this. I, I, I think part of it's my brain. My brain naturally, <laughs> naturally detaches when I'm like, oh, this is like it's like when you're watching. Like like suspension of disbelief when you're watching like sci-fi. You're not like, hmm, that's not how space works. And so, like, I watch this, and I'm like, that's not how characters work. I'm like, oh, you're not supposed – you're just – just go with it. And so – They're just action heroes. They're so, just action figures. So, so my – yeah, so so it's – I don't even have questions because my brain is just like, oh, yeah, no, don't take all of this part seriously. You're just watching flipping cars. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool, awesome. Let's go. Um, how – oh, I just thought, well, what if these all end and it's Vin Diesel sitting in a boardroom with, like, three cars and three, like – Oh, what were they called? Rescue heroes where they were like all upper body. And he's like, and then he's like, no, no. Ah! And then it pulls out and they're like, I don't know if that's going to work. Like I, if that, if the whole thing's a joke, that'd be amazing. I'm not convinced Vin Diesel is, I mean, it would be a long, it would be like uh, Joaquin Phoenix and um, what is it called? I was never here or I'm still here or whatever that Casey mm-hmm. Affleck documentary was. 
that it would be that yeah. level of like meta acting if if Vin Diesel has is really been in on the joke this whole time. And then he wins an Oscar for like the greatest <laughs> uh performance in the history of film because yeah. we um, all were wrong. <laughs> speaking of which, I always I can't not watch uh, anything Fast and Furious related where he shows up on the screen without looking at who he's standing next to or across from, um, and uh, with without and then googling their height. Yeah, exactly. And somebody pointed out um, they said they said find a single shot where he shares the screen with anyone other than uh, Michelle Rodriguez, and oh, and I was like, oh wow, that's hilarious. And then I looked at the shot where he faces off against um, against Momoa. And literally, uh-huh. they have him positioned so he's facing him, and then the other there's a guy standing in front of him, but like closer to the camera, so that from the, like the knees down, you can't see. This is Dom. in the like Brazil sequence, yeah. right? That's yeah. calling back to five. <clears throat> yeah, if you want to find it quick, look at my. I, saw, I tweeted it out a few days ago, like after the trailer. But yeah, you literally see him. Okay. For the audio, <laughs> for everybody, you see. I will share you this. You see Jason photo. Momoa head to toe, arms out. You know the the taunting they do in Fast and the Furious, and mm-hmm. then Dom is standing across from him, but there is somebody positioned so that you can't see, like his thigh down. Oh my, that's hilarious! And then, and then the second you see what they're doing, and you can cheat the perspective, you can you can see the apple box, right? Or you can see like that they're. <laughs> Like it's very that's clearly because because Momoa is like so... a, a solid foot taller than him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. J- what is his recorded height? He's got to be six two, six three, uh, something like that. Well, and Vin Diesel's height is over reported. Also, he's six four. Yeah, um, that's, hel- that's and you amazing. can you can really I tell because so much. whenever you check, I always watch uh, Vin Diesel's Instagram videos are the best because he always surprises somebody who's sitting down and he drops in from above them and like gets his arm over their shoulder. I mean, if you look up the height cheating tricks for like people who have like Napoleon, like, like Mark Zuckerberg, for example, there's a whole article published about, look at how he stands in these pictures. Mm -hmm. Vin Diesel does all of those. And so, but you look at his Instagram and it's all him like dropping down on top of someone who's sitting and putting them in like a a chokehold or something to do the Instagram video. And he does that to Momoa and one of them. And Momoa's laying down on a car. And then I have Mo- seen this video. And I know exactly what you're Momoa talking about. Momoa goes yeah. to, I freeze framed it because Momoa goes to stand up because Momoa knows what he's doing. And he's also friends with Justin Lin. So you're like, you, yeah. you really want question what's going on there. He goes to stand up and there's a brief moment of terror on Vin Diesel's face as he realizes that Momoa is about to break his height cheating mm-hmm. um, video. And, uh, and he twists around to cheat the perspective. And then Momoa walks up from behind him. And just dwarfs him and then drops down and does the Vin Diesel to Vin Diesel. Oh man, it was so, it was so glorious too. Because Momoa is like my favorite troll. I'm watching right now as you were describing that one with yeah. Alan Richson, who I am a huge oh, fan. I've and I'm to, so glad he's. I've got to see that too. Because having... Richson is also huge. He might be taller than Momoa even. Yeah, they're doing... Oh, this perspective is incredible. It makes me so happy. But you know what's funny? You were talking about that because this had... Like, Justin Lin, obviously, was the original director. You're supposed to do 10 and 10 part 2, right? So he would... Like, it's... we were, As you were talking about the Apple box, I'm like, the guy who's gotten this mastered is obviously Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like, TC has nailed this. And one of the things I remember sitting and watching Top Gun Maverick was so refreshing. I'm like... They're letting him be short. Yeah. 
or I mean, Tom is letting Tom be short is the way I should have phrased that because uh, he was short in Top Gun, right? Yeah. There was no illusion that he was this perfect height, every man, yeah. but he was a short guy in Top Gun. So Maverick is the only character in like modern Tom Cruise cinema who is allowed to be shorter than yeah. people. Well, cause it's, it's especially in the fast movies movies. And I think that a lot of this is related to the, the rock feud because the shot that I, I'm sure everybody thinks of if I say Vin Diesel and the rock is, is when they're facing off and they're like on screen face to face arms up. And it's like, I you like they're eye level eye to eye when they like step toe to toe. And you're like, dude, I know in real life, Vin Diesel is looking at his chin or, or, his, or yeah. his, or his chest. Like, and so in order to imagine how humiliating it's got to be to take that shot where like, how do you, mm-hmm. how do you set that up where you're like, literally I'm standing on an Apple box in order to, in order to, to do this shot. And then like, what you, you got to imagine the rock makes a comment about it when he's like, now hop off your box and go back to your trailer. <laughs> like, of course he doesn't want mm-hmm. that dude in the franchise with him. Oh, I'm watching the Jason Momoa clip. <laughs> the fear in his face. It's like, no, you can't do this to me. It's my movie. Yeah. Um, It brings me such joy. So all I hope for, honestly, at the end of the day for this franchise is like a roundabout ending that just brings me joy. Because as ridiculous as these movies are, like they're just cartoons and like... Mm-hmm. And I say this, it sounds disparaging, and to some degree, I kind of mean it. Like, 80s cartoons, like, we hold them at such high regard, but at the end of the day, like, they were just to sell toys. Yeah. And that's essentially what this franchise has turned into. Like, any real, not, I wouldn't want to say that, any serious control or subject matter's gone. Yeah. It's well, just one vanity project that he just continues to add more people in so i hope it ends well if they can under if if they can all understand what it is it could be amazing but i feel like multiple people don't like nine broke me um like there's a lot of fun stuff in it but it feels like there's too many people who don't understand the assignment (laughs) um jason Mm -hmm. moa knows the assignment but not not everybody else and if they can deliver a if they can embrace the like oh this is you know literally the the transformers or something like that tone from the 80s cartoons if they can deliver on that for for 10 and 11 it, it would be absolutely amazing but i'm i'm not really even negative on it so much as just like oh okay this is just like they jumped the shark and then they're like okay well we jumped the solution to jumping the shark is jumping three more sharks <laughs> and jump the shark in space yeah exactly <laughs> which um, they did i guess already so uh in in nine <laughs> yeah so i'm curious and i'll and i'll and i'll check it out but i'm I, I lost the like the the heart that I felt like was there in in seven is kind of gone. And now it's just like, well, what kind of spectacle spectacle are they going to do? Yes. Uh, all right. On to the next thing, which is Indiana Jones. We are talking Indiana Jones, which had a trailer. What did you think very briefly of the first trailer? Um, I'll be I, I, I like Indiana Jones and I love um, Harrison Ford and James Mangold is awesome. Um, I, the trailers are good, but I couldn't feel anything about this movie. That's fair. I was trying to balance my Indiana Jones fedora on my headphones. It didn't work. Um, I, the, like, I'm not negative about it even. I'm just not, I'm, 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 
I'm, I'm, I'll go watch it. I'm sure it'll hit me then, like when I'm when I'm watching it. Like I don't see anything that I'm mm-hmm. I want to criticize. Even it's just it's kind of more Indiana Jones um, for me. At yeah. Least. Well, it's I think what's <laughs> terrifying a lot of people is, and I think it's a fair criticism of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Was it went too big with the supernatural elements? In terms of, I guess they're science fiction, but with the full-blown aliens and whatnot of the Crystal Skulls. And that we're just, we're seeing a lot of de-aging, which I think the effects look quite good. There's uh, more, obviously, in this big TV spot. One big confirmation is that, and I didn't, I hadn't seen this anywhere beforehand, but is that uh, Mads Mikkelsen is playing a Nazi. And he may no longer be a Nazi, but Indy doesn't know that yet. I think looking at these trailers, I this is my favorite film of all time, the first one. I absolutely love it. I know there's a lot of fans, my sister being one of them, uh, hi Haley if you're listening, who loves Last Crusade, which was... There's a lot of similarities, obviously, between that and Raiders, and some of that could have been reactionary to Temple of the or Temple of the Doom. <laughs> I wonder if that ever happened with another Lucasfilm franchise where people reacted negatively to a second installment. Um, I like the Last Jedi. Anyways, um, I'm doing that for interaction. Uh, <laughs> that uh, I think the joy is feels in this. What I'm most curious about is that is this how is this an ending? That's what I'm more curious about. And the reason I have faith in that is because of how James Mangold was able to handle that with Logan. Yeah. He's shown to be a very good filmmaker, Ford versus Ferrari. The Wolverine, I think, is a really well-made film up until Fox stepped in. And you can see where Fox steps in in that film. 310 to Yuma and uh, Walk the Line. Yes, yeah. Walk the Line. So the like the filmography speaks for itself and the passion that Harrison Ford seems to be showing for this particular is film is rare from him <laughs> in, in in general i wouldn't i'm not, i would not throw stones at the guy i think he was actually very good in the two uh sequel films he was in particularly the force awakens mm-hmm. and you could be critical of his scene in Rise of Skywalker if you want, but the guy shows up. No, it was He's great. not Bruce. Well, and I, I have no on-screen credit, and it's not even a criticism. He's just notoriously like does is not Aloof. is not passionate <laughs> about like promoting stuff, but he seems like genuinely enthused to be Indiana Jones again. Yeah, which is amazing. Phoebe Waller Bridge, I'm a huge fan of hers. So the fact that she wants to be in this film, or like is clearly in the film, mm-hmm. I think speaks a lot for the quality of the writing of the, of the property. And the fact that it's taken this long to actually arrive gives me more confidence, particularly with what happened with the other Lucasfilm franchise in the film department. So I'm very excited. You play that Raiders March and I'm on board. And the fact that he's fighting Nazis and Sala is even there yet shouting Indiana Jones. I know I was just critical of the last crusade for revisiting things, but the cast in general is incredible. Like with Toby Jones being in it, Antonio Banderas, as well as Mads Mikkelsen. And, um, oh, he was in Logan and he was in the Sandman. Boyd Holbrook. Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. Like just saw him in, in vengeance. If you haven't seen, um, uh, BJ Novak's vengeance. It's amazing on Amazon prime. Check it out. (laughs) Okay. I will. There we go. And so I'm, I'm very optimistic about it. I think, 
there is a lot more potential for this to be good than for it to be bad, given everything Disney and specifically Lucasfilm has gone through. I think it's going to be good. It wouldn't be finally coming to us if it was going to be bad. Yeah. I think that my my biggest thing, and this was the thing that I got, I was really into for The Rise of Skywalker, was, and it was a, it was a lot of different situations, but to me, I, w- I was like, okay, this is the movie that needs to say, like, this is why this needs to be a nine-part story instead of a six-part story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was a lot of things I liked about the movie. There's a lot of things I, I didn't like about it, but it, um, it, my biggest frustration was it, it never said like, this is why this was all like, other than more star Wars, which I think is a justifiable reason. It never got to that. Like, this is why it has to be nine parts instead of six parts. And so my, my question watching like when, when this is coming is like, okay, is the, is it a grand send off? Is it a passing the torch? Is it a whatever? But, but fundamentally like why another Indiana Jones movie? And I don't, normally put movies in a position of having to prove themselves and not even necessarily with this one, but the question in my mind is like, okay, if this is not a shameless cash grab, which I don't think it is because of Harrison Ford and, and James Mangold and other, other reasons, then, um, then why, what is it about this story that says, aha, this is why there needs to be five Indiana Jones movies. Um, and I believe that it's there because of the reasons mentioned above. But I don't watch the trailer, and and there's nothing in it that makes me go like, "Aha! That is the reason that this is an essential, um, an essential movie." And so, I am I'm hoping to find that out when I when I see it in the theaters. Um, and I don't know why it isn't hitting with me more, but yeah, there's just something about it that's like, yeah, these are all things I would expect from Indiana Jones. These are all the aesthetics and the villains and the and and he looks great. He's you know always always that, but um, I guess. I'm as sold as I was when I saw the first poster and nothing about the trailers has really changed that for me. And maybe that's what it is, is is, is the level of confidence has always been there. And so there's nothing that like is exceeding or changing my expectations. I'm like, yeah, I'm still there. I'm not like chomping at the bit to like learn something about it or, or what, or nothing's blowing my mind, but I'm, it's very, I think maybe a good sign is I'm not watching it and going, Oh no, what did they do? Like, (laughs) That's certainly, I mean, I'm trying to think of Green Lantern is something where trailers thoroughly lied to us. Not to, I mean, that, I guess mm-hmm. that works as a segue to the last trailer to talk about, which is uh, The Flash. If you are curious on Steven's opinion on the upcoming DCU Chapter 1 slate, you can see that on, is it only Patreon or is, I um, believe so, right? Yes, it's a Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive Snyder Minute uh, with your co-host Andrew Dice. So I would check it out over there. So we're not going to get into that because Steven doesn't want to repeat himself. Although sometimes I have him on before that. Although this was not the case. Steven doesn't one. like to repeat himself. <laughs> it's a great joke. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. So we're not going to get into that. I've uh, I've given my opinion on what I'm excited about. Ironically, James Mangold probably is making Swamp Thing, which is something I'm very excited for. Anyways, um okay. I'm the one thing that because I haven't listened to it, I didn't listen to your your episode on the DCU yet. 
And because I don't know if this would have come up yet with with Dice, knowing that he is such a huge Flash fan. I One of the things that I find disappointing being a fan of the Flash and I'm on a lower tier than Dice for sure. Although, yeah, well, I'll, I've kept watching the Arrow show, so I don't know if that helps or if that hurts me. Uh, <laughs> um, depends on who you ask, I guess. But if you ask Greg Berlanti, Grant, Grant Gustin, Christopher Reeve levels, which is certainly a conversation I would like to have on another time because I think it's kind of valid. Um, anyways, uh, length of run as the character. But anyways, um, there's a lot of Batman. And I know why. We all know why. Batman's sexy. Batman sells. One of these Batman was Batman a long time ago and everybody wants to get excited about the Batman who was Batman when they were a kid. And then there's Ben Affleck because like the people who hate us, they like Ben Affleck. And I say that as a joke, but the the freaking poster, Steven, also is in a bat cave. Like, it just it bothers me. Because the Flash is a super awesome, cool character that could work on its own. And there's a lot of Batman. Yeah. Um, Batman. I don't I don't really mind that as much. <laughs> I, I can appreciate Ugh. it uh, to an to an extent. So it's not that I don't I don't understand where it's coming from. But I think I've been over the years gotten to the point where I've realized that it's easy to. Um, or at least there was an era, especially because what the MCU did, where we would say like, "This is what this movie is supposed to be." Like a solo movie is supposed to be this, or an origin movie is supposed to be these these things. And, um, and I, you know, if it's being inspired by Flashpoint, you know, there's a Batman is a big part of that story. If it's of oh, Stephen, if it's being, ins- uh, that was another thing that was disappointing to me was. Quite frankly, this story's already been done in <laughs> Justice League Flashpoint Paradox. And just, I don't, Jermaine, I can already f- hear you typing the tweet to me. Objectively, I think this looks really cool. I think there's a lot of elements to this that are exciting, and I will get into them. I just want to get my grumpiness out <laughs> first, so then I can hopefully find the excited kid that is it <laughs> wants to see this. But like, okay, so just follow with me. And I think you will, Stephen. I'm apologize. I apologize for interrupting you because I really try not to do that with my guests because I want them to come back. But we get, we get Ben Affleck in this, right? And it's like, hey, there he is. There's that Batman that everybody said was going to be so bad. And he was so good. And then we pushed him out of the way. It would have been so cool. To have that be Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like that's part of the Flashpoint story. That's so compelling. And I know there's going to be some sort of narrative way to pivot to an old Batman. who, But like my, my continuity brain unfortunately can't get shut off right now. And particularly that's because they just did a, a run of Batman 89 in comic book form. Which is essentially his... Batman Forever, but then Batman Forever, like, what's what's happening? 
And then we get Michael Keaton, and I know people are excited, but I laughed out loud when I saw him glide down, pick up a dude, and throw him on the floor. This guy could barely beat up Jack Nicholson 30 year, 40 years ago. Like, and he's 71 years old? Well, he's had some advancements to the suit. <laughs> yeah, it looks like better rubber. I, I, I'm so, I know it's supposed to be super awesome and I love the Danny Elfman theme. And I would say that probably is because it was the theme of the animated series. Like that's where I'm pulling it more from hearing it from. Cause it was in every episode, unless you watch the versions with the Batman new Superman adventures, but that's not the point I'm here to discuss. And then as I was saying with flashpoint, it was like, okay. And then there's this flashpoint, like the coolest change which is not from Flashpoint, is the second Barry. Mm-hmm. Like, that's cool. But, th- like, and I want to turn this part of my brain off. There's no Billy Crudup. <laughs> I know I have to let that go, but I don't want to. Yeah. And then the villain is Zod. So is this 2013? Like, 2013 on Earth 89? And, again, like, brain, we saw... Earth 89 in Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW, because who also already did Flashpoint Paradox, just for the record. And that had a reverse Flash. And I'm sorry, to me, Zod in a Flash movie is not a compelling villain, as opposed to Eobard Thawn or Professor Zoom. I just... I don't... I don't like these parts that just seem like... There's, you know what this feels like? And this is a great comparison, ironically, that works on the other way. X-Men could not get over the Dark Phoenix saga. They did it three times, technically, within the Fox 20-year run of those films. The Flash has other cool stories. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And... Because there's one that pop culture has latched onto, because fundamentally we know that it's a great get out of jail free card for the upcoming DCU that we know is coming and may or may not rewrite the certain cast members. I mean, we know ones it's going to, but at the same time, and I didn't bring this up, I'm going to bring it up now. The fact that we don't have Ben Affleck anymore makes even less sense for me because we're getting Damian Wayne, which means we're automatically getting a Batman who is slightly older. So he needs to have been Batman for a certain amount of time in order to have relations with Talia and then for Damian to grow into a 10-year-old. I'm hoping he's a child. It's so much more cooler if he's a 10-year-old assassin as opposed to Chris O'Donnell pretending to be 18 or whatever in Batman Forever. So, like, those parts, I just, I have a hard time with. So, half this trailer, and I feel the same way I felt about watching Spider-Man No Way Home, which I desperately wanted to love those trailers and being like, there's... Something here, eh, I guess. Like, Doc Ock's back, Green Goblin's back. All right. But, like, what makes this compelling should be The Flash. And because of reasons, they're not going to focus on The Flash. And it makes it even harder when there's two of them in the movie. So, I think there could be some really... at, At least, right, rumors... We're not going to get into rampant (laughs) speculation, but 
It's just, I think there is a simpler version of this movie that would could have still done Flashpoint and been really compelling. But part of what made this story so good was it was in an established universe that people had spent time with and you felt loss from something and there is going to be a percentage of people sitting in this being missing the Snyder stuff that we barely had. And there's some cool stunt double Ben Affleck stuff, which is cool to see his version of the bat bike. And I know people are excited that his cape and cowl look slightly blue, which is very cool to see those colors used in live action. But I would have been more excited if you sold it on the new stuff. So the new stuff for me would have been The Flashes, to some degree, and Kara Zor-El. And we get a bunch of that, but because she's Henry Cavill's stand-in, because they didn't want to use Henry Cavill. Alright, I'm done, Steven. Make me want to go see this movie. Um, I had a very similar perspective to oh, no. before the trailer. But, but with the last trailer, like up until this point, I was very meh at a lot of it. The the it, the first one wasn't even a, tra- a trailer; it was like a first look from Fandom, and um, and it had Batman silhouette. It seemed reserved. Yeah, um, and I I don't know if I've done a one eighty on it, but I am far more interested in this movie now than I was before this trailer came out. Um, Why? Um, I. I know there's a bunch. Well, when, when was the last? How many times have you seen it? Five times. You have. Wow. I, I I watched it twice yesterday and three times in a row before we started talking. You know tonight. what? What's crazy to me that that hits me like the more that I watch it is for how much people are worried about Batman overshadowing it. Just how much in the trailer, at least, how much of Barry's story they put up front before mm-hmm. Batman is even introduced. And even the way that he's introduced is um, as a, like, what does he say? I mean, obviously Affleck is is teased, but, like, the, the Keaton Batman stuff is, he's like, need some help. Um, and so they've got the, the two berries introduced and the family introduced and all of that stuff before they finally get to that point. And it really, I think, makes it feel like it's not, I don't question whether or not it's berries movie really like and even when he enters it's clearly as a supporting character it's not like like the trailer isn't full of his backstory and his motivations he's there for Barry in the um in what we see and um I think my biggest complaints about it is that it feels weirdly plasticky and not just the CGI like across the board the overall I try not to yeah, that it's, stuff is it never looks finished. Yeah, well, and I don't normally judge judge VFX, but there's a the overall aesthetic feels a little bit more cartoony, um, and I'm not necessarily judging it for it so much as questioning whether I'm seeing the aesthetic or if I am seeing early early VFX because like the VFX themselves, like the movement, the motion looks good, the lighting like they don't they look realistic, but there is a an almost cartoony palette, like even stuff like, like for example, Supergirl's suit that isn't CGI or, mm-hmm. or Keaton's suit that as far as I know, isn't CGI. It is in some scenes, I'm sure. Um, there are shots where it looks, looks, um, I don't even want to say digital, but it looks plasticky, almost like it's supposed to have this, this cartoony texture to it. And I don't, 
doesn't take me out of it so much as I'm very, very curious how accurately this represents what the movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I think that there's a ton of stuff in it that is that is really really exciting. I think the Barry, the dual Barry, the his performance seems great, and the, especially with the dual the the two Barry stuff, all of their back and forth. Um, ironically, given the the drama surrounding that, which is, um, we don't have to get into it. Um, I'd rather not, but <laughs> it's um, it is for just I I don't recommend people look up my article on screenrat.com about the timeline of events. It's Ezra Miller has done some some uh, questionable stuff, but there's a lot more manufactured controversy around the whole thing than I think people realize. Um, and uh, when you get down to brass tacks. Ezra Miller has committed uh, a couple misdemeanors, um, which is not, you know, don't do that, but also like maybe not what all the headlines suggest. Um, so and I'm don't not post off social media things. Maybe not a good idea either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe put that in your drafts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, so, so I don't really have that. Um, I don't, I don't have a, a bad reaction to how much of it that uh, they're in. But uh, but I loved the the band, the idea of having two characters, um, at least uh, played by the same actor is and specifically with it being Ezra is really kind of kind of crazy because you can already see just how much how much banter they have when you really don't get that like um it's a hard thing to pull off to make that feel natural. I mean, you go back to like the Parent Trap. Or something like that, where you've got this weird split screen, and they're not really going back. Back and forth. to Future Two, which yeah. we, I talked about already, was like I think groundbreaking for the single passes. Like, yeah, yeah, my yeah. brain used to know what that was called. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, and I think that the Supergirl stuff all looks really cool, especially the the aesthetic. And I think part of what's nice about this too is, while I was talking about the plasticky feel, and it's very light in a lot of in a lot of you know and colorful and like highly saturated in a lot of ways. It's one of the few post Snyder um, DC trailers that I've watched that doesn't feel like it's trying to sell me on something. And, and, and by that, I mean, it's not trying to say like, Oh look, we're no longer dark and gloomy or we're no longer this or that. Like it, it feels very, um, it is selling. I believe that it is selling the movie that is actually going to be, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's a lot of cool, I don't know. There's just, there's a, there's, it's got a vibe. There's a vibe to it that, um, is not, uh, you know, like I watched something like Indiana Jones or, or the fat or fast X or whatever. I know you love the indie indie one, but where I, when I watch those, I'm like, I'm not sure what they're telling me to be excited for other than here's more of these things that you like. Whereas this, I watch it and, and it's like, it offers up. Um, the 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 kind of character vignettes or the moments, the highlights are like here's some cool stuff. Zod looks cool. Supergirl looks cool. The two flashes look cool. Keaton Batman looks cool. Yeah, there's all sorts of all sorts of peripheral stuff, nitpicks and behind the scenes drama. And Ray Fisher's not in it. And you know, it's like there's hours and hours and hours of conversation that we can have about what's outside the trailer. That's like, oh, this movie's a complicated. But in terms of like what's on the screen, uh, the two flashes having their boots meet 
and having that like dragon that ball. was that was very like, cool like and the, different it, lightning colors yeah actually fits in with barry's narrative and like with zod's ship up in the middle it's like a dragon ball z level like power display i mean there's 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 a lot of cool stuff and there's it feels like a very emotional story it wasn't a trailer filled with quips or or it didn't feel mm-hmm. it feels very different from mcu it, it feels like a dc movie um, I don't know. There, there's, there's, it, it vibed with me, and I don't know if I can describe it necessarily by, by saying anything, anything beyond that. But I, I was very like, eh, not really sure I'm into this, and now I see this, I'm like, oh no, Andy Muschietti is like, I feel like he's, he's got something to show me, and this is not just a paint by numbers thing. And it's not nearly as cynical as I, I used to. I was a lot more cynical about the whole resetting the universe bit before. Um, mm-hmm. and, the, and how contrived that felt, but, um, that was another thing where in this trailer, it feels very, um, it doesn't, it's for the first time. I don't think they chose flashpoint solely for the reset purposes. I do believe that there's a story in there that they are actually trying to tell with flashpoint and the, and the universe reset is, is a convenience, not the sole objective of the movie. So it feels a lot less heartless than I previously thought. One thing that I would be more disappointed by in, given the fact that one of the key parts I was excited about was um, Sasha as Supergirl, uh-huh. is that we have a Supergirl film announced, mm-hmm. and to get invested in this brand new version of the character, and then for there be the potential it's somebody else in like three to four years... I think would be disappointing. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that that is not the case. Or even if it is, it's a multiverse, right? If she's popular, why can't they have two yeah. Supergirls? Um, That's a great question. Um, and uh, I think that they're, you know, and it's, you know, especially with Supergirl, of all characters, uh, or anyway, not of all characters, but of a lot of characters, <laughs> there there is a, there's a good justification to bring in a second Supergirl, uh, a multiversal mm-hmm. Supergirl in the same universe as a, as a different, version of the character one so, one could wind up become, becoming power girl or yeah. something oh like different versions the, the, of the, the people character. that are mad about sasha playing supergirl would be especially mad if she becomes power girl <laughs> don't google that children please uh, um no you're right i think what i'm most excited about for that is as you were talking honestly given the fact that i think andy andy muschetti is a very good director i actually quite enjoyed it chapter two i think if if you'd put a gun to my head, I think chapter one is better, but I thought it worked really well as a two part story. And it would be really cool if, for example, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but now my brain is stuck in back to the future two uh, scenarios. What if we get Feora fighting Supergirl? Oh, there's no way we don't get that. Okay. But I hope so. <laughs> I mean, think about that. Think about the action that you're seeing here with her and Zod. And then like the way Feora moved. I mean, it's yeah. everybody knows about it. Man of Steel. It's like one of the one of the things people people go go to. I I have a heart because she's back. You don't you mm-hmm. don't bring her back and and have Supergirl in this and not have the two of them face off in some way. Um, could be really cool. I, I I could be wrong, but I kind of that was always a, a sort of a given assumption. Um, in mm-hmm. uh, in my expectations. Um, I uh, I remember early on being one of the selling points for people prior to BVS and Justice League, which was look at how Zack handled super speed. Yeah. 
And then what could that? And it one of the things that is most that is most important is how that's handled. And I think that what we do see and the use of the powers are really cool. There are a couple of shots where it's very it's very difficult to see what's going on. Yeah. Like there's a real money shot of him running up a building that there's too much. Um, but it's funny because there are a lot of people who have worked on flash stuff that I would have loved to have maybe been involved in this in story bar storyboarding to some degree, like JT Olivia would have been a really good one, mm -hmm. but I think you're right. I, I know I'm being cynical about it. I think objectively there's a lot to like about what they're showing. Yeah. There definitely is more Barry than anything else. Well, that was the thing. I think the selling. The biggest thing with me was was rewatching it right before the podcast. It hit me for the first time just how much Barry's story there is and how careful they mm -hmm. are about about what. And I guess it's Keaton asking the question, but he says, "Why save this universe?" Is it like, because this is mm -hmm. the one um, my, where my, my mom's where my alive. mom's alive, and yeah. um, which is just a it's you know that that's the story of Flashpoint. So it's not this huge dynamic thing, but it it if the movie gives that same level of like, let's establish Care. his story first and then bring in Batman. Um, then it'll be great. Obviously if Batman just is overriding the whole thing, then you know, it, it takes away, but the trailer at least gives me the feeling of like, Oh, I feel like we're going to have a, 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 a lot of <laughs> for, to some people's chagrin, a lot of double Ezra screen time of them interacting. Sure. I think what's most important to me in establishing that because, if that is the case, I think you're right. There certainly is a lot of setup. And I mentioned this at the, when we started talking about it. It's a lot of retread of that stuff. But if the film, at least from my own standpoint, if we can establish exactly what our Barry feels is missing before he he runs to the next timeline, parallel Earth, both into like what's missing why is this character ultimately make this decision we see a bit of it in that conversation he has with ben affleck bruce and there's an action sequence that if i had to guess is in the opening act of the film or at least the first act or the first third where something big happens because it again it's hard to figure out exactly when exactly this movie is going to have everything <laughs> but it would only really make sense for Ben Affleck's action sequence to be in the beginning of the movie before Barry makes this run. Uh, and so I'm hoping that getting that all established makes us sympathize with Barry. So that way, like you said, we're following with him and then that's the emotional center. And if that's done well, then everything else is, is gravy. Right. Because that's what's mattered most to the Flash's character. Yeah. Right? He's the Justice League's heart. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and especially following up after that movie, too, it, it feels like a, you know, the flying foxes in it. And, and it, it feels like, um, and that's the one he, he, he time travels in that one, too. So it, it. Mm -hmm. It's um I'm I'm very curious how you they heard connect. it here first. This is in canon with <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but I do know that they're they're hiding a little bit of a of something in there, but an explanation about why. How does he realize he can do that? Why does he think that that's a solution? 
why now? Why not? Why didn't he figure that out earlier? What What's the impetus to kick that all off? I wonder if because they're doing the whole switch or reset, if this actually will... Like, I'm saying it not as a joke because I actually think it might be possible that I don't understand with all of the changes this movie has had to endure, like, with not having Superman, not having, like, all the baggage we've talked about already... Why not technically have this canon with Zack's version of the film? Like, who does, who does, the, all those people are gone. Yeah. Right? Like, they may get bonuses potentially because of contracts for, for the film because of how long it's been in gestation. But, I mean, I'd like to think of myself as more level-headed. It would appease me if this is, like, if they're straight up establishing, like, you time-traveled already. Like it doesn't have to be very much, but if that if that's said, oh great! So this is connected to Zach's version of the film. Yeah. Well, they they, they got blue lightning, right? One of them's got blue lightning. One of them, so, um, or even if it's not connected to it, the just the notion of a of a multiverse allows for the you know they all exist in a different. Um, but I I don't know. I've never really been one that that to pit whether or not I like it. Or or don't on that aspect just because like even if it does oh, I didn't want to... even if it does treat it as canon, it's it's not like Zax is still kind of Elseworlds to me. I like that continuity and I would like for it to be able to fit into it. But like, as long as they're not like look at this version of Steppenwolf that we fought and remember when Joss Whedon directed that and like the show like if that's what it is, uh, I just. Well, obviously that's worse, Steven, if they're like, look at the way worse Steppenwolf. Yeah. Well, no, the reason I said that in particular is because, and I, I don't know if I brought this up to you or not, but for the ending of the final film of the DC animated movie universe, they did Justice League Dark colon Apocalypse War, yeah. which heavily involved Flash, like it, it was a result of a Flashpoint which resulted in Darkseid discovering their universe. Mm -hmm. And they ended it with a new Flashpoint. Right. And one of the things said in the director slash writer's commentary track is there were elements of this initial script that or like of the final film that they weren't allowed to use at the time because of... No, they don't say it specifically, yeah. but you know who they're talking. Because of... Another filmmaker's plan. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I've I'm never one who enjoys just cancellations or not in, infinite doesn't make sense either. But like just cancel. It's just something ends abruptly. So to have some form of ending, I guess, like it doesn't make me like the movie more or less, but having that fit at least in my canon brain i i would enjoy that like okay we got to see part of a flash adventure that may or may not have connected to zach's version of the story but cuz i don't you would probably know this better than most like was flashpoint always going to be a part of the flash movie way back with the rick famuyiwa days it seems like that was related yeah, yeah. um because it was a flash and cyborg working together because that's how, like, remember, yeah. Cyborg is the one that figures out the time travel for the Nightmare. And so I think that Flash... When he's heavily involved in the comic, right? He's the Superman because right. there isn't one. Yeah. 
ironically voiced by Michael B. Jordan. Nice. In that in the Flashpoint Paradox film, who's in the poster, you're not nobody's never <laughs> That's just for Steven. If on the on the on the he's got, Discord call, he's got an awesome Creed poster behind him. I do. Thank you, and with matching lights. Yeah, I already have the Indiana Jones poster. I have the next like six months of posters ready to go, and I'm just going to be in an infinite rotation. Oh, brilliant! For the rest of this till June, I think till the end of June. Yeah, Indiana Jones is June thirtieth. I almost said sixtieth. Uh, June thirtieth. So I have that, that doesn't and exist. then. No, it doesn't. Maybe on another Earth where they months are 60 days and they only have six of them. I don't know. I I think over time I'm going to get more excited for this film because we are getting a Flash film that is exciting. In the next couple years or so, we're finally going to get some more Superman. Like, we're going to get some Green Lantern. We're finally going to start to get these members of the Justice League in some form or another, which yeah. is at the most... They're announced, and I said that in my uh, in my chapter one. That's a big step. Uh, reaction. It is. It, it. You know what though? It's only happened twice. Yeah. Like this is in the dark universe where they've done it three or four times, or hell, the. You know what they haven't done yet? They haven't done a Comic Con cast photo. Yeah. With the Fantastic Four and the X Men and Channing Tatum, so that's uh. But I mean the 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 possibilities. For how this movie ends, it comes out in like three, what are we at? Four months? Oh, just over four months? Some castings could happen by then where we get to see our new Superman. I mean, the poss- it, if you're having a movie come out in mid-2025, it's got to shoot relatively soon if you want to give those visual effects people the time to make a film properly, which... I'm hoping becomes the case with these blockbusters after everybody heard how Marvel yeah. treats their well, visual effects artists. Gunn said camera, like Gunn and Saffron made the commitment that cameras won't roll until the script is done. Um, which um, ideally that they, they move the release date also if they, if they don't, but I, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate if that is a truthful commitment, I think that's a really good sign. Absolutely. It's something that, and I think a lot of people wouldn't, realize and i don't say that to sound like i know more well it depends on what we're talking about but anyways that a significant amount of of marvel films didn't shoot with with completed scripts and you can tell which ones those are yeah uh for the most part some of them worked out some of them didn't some of them were iron man so (laughs) some of them were thor love and thunder gun Uh, Gun and saffron even explicitly say like they don't say mcu but i mean the gun kind of makes it obvious where they're like hey most movies these days most blockbusters shoot without a third act and then just figure it out. And, you know, you ever hear someone complain about a generic third act in a blockbuster before? Like, wonder why that is. What do you, I love a blue sky beam. What are you talking about? <laughs> Ironically, Louis Leterrier read the script twice for Fast and Furious X or Fast X. And they said, hey, we need a third act. Uh, can you come shoot in two days? So, uh see how that turns out i think there's going to be some cars probably in the ending for that so yeah yeah, i'm it's hilarious to me that this film will come out a month after flash season nine has finished which is crazy uh at least there's been a form of the character i would love nothing more for them this to blow my socks off if you kind if you weed through potential 
what are they, uh, test screenings. It sounds like this is really good. I don't think it James, it does James Gunn any favors to James Cameron himself and say, if you love Terminator, you're going to love Terminator Genesis. I don't think James Gunn would make that decision for a guy as active on social media as he is much to his detriment. I think sometimes he, he wades too far in, even though I, the comments are sometimes funny. Um, I, he I, I praises do think, the film. I was going to say, I, I do think it's interesting that he's praising this as much as he is yet said nothing about black Adam is saying very little about Shazam. Um, and didn't tell us what role Jennifer Holland has in the flash. <laughs> um, but uh, I think if we're questioning, like it, it would be ironic. It, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Ezra Miller is the only OG justice league character that persists into guns universe. Uh, based on how enthusiastic he seems to be about this movie and the fact that he's a multiversal traveling person. We already know that Ezra Miller exists, right? We got two versions of Ezra Miller in two different universes, but we got two different Batman. So does that mean he's a universal constant? I can't. I, I can't with this, Steve. I can't because they're no, I can't with the universal constants, given what we're experiencing right now with the MCU. I can't. I can't do it. I appreciate you trying to explain it. Because you, how you laid it out, that is how it should work. All right, we've got a Keaton universe, and we've got Ezra in the same thing. Therefore, we have Ezra and we have an Affleck. That's how it should work. But apparently, you can have 78 Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatches, but we're going to get likely a different Doctor Strange, or no, uh, a different Mr. Fantastic, which... I'm hoping means we get a different Professor X, a different everything, because I love Patrick Stewart, but he's so old. Mm. Like, it was great seeing him in the big yellow chair, but I would really love to see G um, hey, Giancarlo Esposito it's, as it, Professor X. It's Disney. Maybe you'll just get a, they All they need is a bald guy in a wheelchair and a deep fake. If they can do it with Luke, Luke Skywalker, they can keep... They can keep... Uh, why you got to do him dirty like that, Steven? Why you got to do that? Oh, it's true, but I don't like it. You know what's funny? Of all of the franchises of all of them, we're in a tangent and then we'll wrap it up. I apologize. Is that to you and the listeners for this. Of all of the franchises that's had all of the missteps, I give Paramount, and I'm. it's crazy that I'm saying this, and I'm not the first to say it. They have had the cojones to recast their biggest character. With the Star Trek people. We've had like three Kirks in a decade. Yeah. Well. Like. And Param Just cast Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Like he's right there. We. Uh, I, I wrote a few months ago. Uh, sometime last year. During um, Top Gun Maverick's box office hall. Uh, Paramount really stepped it up. The past couple of years. They were always kind of. You look at the top ten box office every year. It was. You know, Disney and Warner Brothers, basically. Sometimes Universal, sometimes whatever. But, like, 2021 and 2022, I think, Paramount had... Um, I don't think they ended up with a majority of, but ended up with quite a few of the biggest movies in uh, in theaters. I'm curious to see if that kind of when, persists the next few years. Well, it's ironic, because this actually kind of all ties together in a way that I was not planning, but Christopher McQuarrie ironically shoots with incomplete scripts, but somehow made Mission Impossible Fallout, in my opinion, the best of all of them, which also had a Superman in it, which also he wrote on parts of Top Gun, but Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 will be coming out this year. And I would be shocked 
if the momentum from Top Gun Maverick slash Mission Impossible Fallout does not lead to that being one of the top 10 of the year easily. That's hitting a billion dollars. Did Fallout hit a billion? It got real close. So, I think it was in the nine hundreds. Um, yeah, I bet the next two both hit hit a billion. Um, I think it, it, it hit that breaking point of uh, for the for a franchise. It's kind of at that level of hype. I think. Yeah, it got to sorry, it got to seven hundred ninety one. Okay, but that was five years ago. Yeah. So with I think the the ball rolling for TC well, that, in doing these, it's probably like sixty percent domestic too, isn't it? I bet uh, I didn't. I just had the I had the wiki breakdown, so I'm not sure what the actual um, yeah how the split was. But I, given the fact that most I don't I don't I feel like that probably was okay in China. I don't know exactly what uh, if that was allowed over there. Uh, here we go. Worldwide domestic was 220, and international was 567. Oh yeah, so only so it's it's about a third. That's surprising. So that's that's a similar split to like Avatar and stuff. So that was really good. I thought that was bigger domestic hits. Regardless, anyway. But uh, Top Gun was a need, huge domestic. We need to hit, avoid to start so. talking about box office data, or I'll start pulling up charts and we'll go on for another hour. <laughs> I, I I mean I appreciate your. No, I'm not going to talk about Avatar <laughs> two. I'm not going to talk about Avatar two. I can't do it. Maybe off the episode, but we've already been going for an hour and fifteen. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I think out of all the trailers. For DC projects, this certainly has the most potential. I think it's ironic because I'm looking forward to Shazam Fury of the Gods, but I think I know what I'm getting with that. Given the it being a sequel, I think allows for more of that assessment. I I like the first one quite a bit, but it does not seem to be stretching in any per, any different directions. I, particularly, I like David F. Sandberg a lot. And I think I like a lot of what he did with the first one, both of both the first one and the trailer for this one. I feel like is there's a lot of David F. Sandberg trying to fight through a generic mm-hmm. thing. And so how much of how much of his imprint is allowed to be on the final product, I think will determine kind of how, how you know, is it going to be more of Zachary Levi making lightning jokes or is it going to be more of uh, Asher? Is that? Who's the who plays Billy Batson? Um, Asher, I think it's or Asher. It, or is it yeah. gonna be more of him knocking on his mom's door to ask her why she uh, why she left him? Like 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 it's almost two different yeah, movies of like. Um, and so whatever wherever this one lands, um, I think, um, on that spectrum is gonna be dependent on how much of a David F. Sandberg movie they let it be. Well, and certainly a certain amount of spooky moments as well with the seven deadly sins and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Those were spooky. And you know what would have helped this film? Black Adam cameo. Uh, anyways, um, but I think you've turned me around on that if the Flash, I mean, it should be, if the Flash is the focus of the Flash and ironically kind of connects to what we talked about with Fast X, All I really care about is if I'm emotionally invested in these characters and specifically with the flash with spending nine years with this character and knowing how important his loved ones are to him bare bones in Zack Snyder's justice league. And that's not to be an insult. We see why Barry's doing what he's doing with the wrongful imprisonment of his father. And 
not particularly carrying that thread forward, but this will be the technically third time we've seen that character. Like, has the character moved forward? What does this mean for Barry? Like, is oh. he now a forensic? <laughs> oh, I, I was like, oh, we're audio. I got to say it. it's the fourth time. If you include Suicide Squad cameo. Be- oh, that's right. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, you're totally so, right. Uh, the, no it's- Honor Among Thieves. Am I too soon? Lois is the key. Justice League. I guess if you count both Justice Leagues as two. <laughs> so it might be the fifth, but yeah. four, fourth or fifth time we've seen him. Oh, what's his line? What does he say? Dostoevsky. Uh, oh, what is- Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, yeah. So fourth time. You know what? Uh, I. You talk about Elseworlds. I would be very happy if Gunn gave us the air cut. There's no point not to do it now. Yeah. Like you're giving us else worlds. Just do it. Like you, it's free. Just put it on streaming. Mm-hmm. It'd be, I would appreciate that greatly because I actually thoroughly enjoyed that cameo scene. And it's one thing talking about the flash spoilers. If you haven't watched the first episode of season nine, we get a new captain boomerang, which is kind of disappointing because with that being one of the flash's main rogues, it would have been nice for them to get the same guy back, but they didn't. They had a, a different guy, a different character being another Captain Boomerang. But so, yes, this being the fourth time. No, wait. Yeah. Fourth time with the character. I'm hoping that we really get to see Ezra, who is a very good actor, dive into this character and seeing the dual personalities really will allow they the, them to have certainly a lot of play that we don't get with these characters comic book characters it's the most else world it's ever gonna get quite literally with having two universes merging which i guess that's another interesting aspect too is just how much of that like compare it to like dr strange um in the multiverse of madness this i think hits a multiverse vibe way harder and yet i know there's a lot of characters in it but it doesn't feel like a cameo fest it feels like a true multiverse story um, yeah. whereas Dr. Strange you, so, ended up not really being all that multiversal at the end of it. It was just, so if we're doing a pendulum, it's everything everywhere all at once. And then we're doing Dr. Strange. We're hoping it swings more towards everything everywhere all at once, yeah. which was so good. It's on prime now. I think Ooh. for most people in, I think, I don't know if it is in the United States. I know it is in Canada. I'll have to check. That's worth a rewatch. Yeah. Actually, I think I own it. <laughs> I think I have a digital copy. I'll have to I check it out. I, <clears throat> yes, but go watch everything everywhere all at once. Uh, support support a twenty four, but yeah, I'm excited for the, like I want I I I think I'm gonna be excited for it. It's certainly something that I can say unequivocally, regardless of my criticism. I think it's going to look incredible on the big screen, and I haven't talked about this yet. I freaking loved the shot of young Barry running out across old Barry with the sky transitioning behind yeah. him. That in itself, I went oh. <laughs> Like this, this is thought through as opposed to generic shots all over the place, which I don't think this trailer was. Mm. I just, with my knowledge of Flashpoint, I was a little disappointed with how much of this I recognized, which was not something I was hoping. Yeah. But I think you've turned me around, Steven. I would say I'm leaning more towards excited. Again, I love DC characters. I've, again, I kept up with most of the Arrowverse through most of its run. I've been reading comics since I was a kid. I like, I want these to be good and I don't want infighting because that's no fun for anybody. Like, I think at the end of the day, we just want good movies. 
And I'm most happy that the Batman part two finally got announced because I would have been very mad if James Gunn took that from me. Um, but <laughs> I just, I, that's on every podcast till the Batman comes out part two. <laughs> Uh, or I guess the penguin, cause the penguin probably will come out beforehand, but that's supposed yeah. to start shooting. I think end of the month Yeah, soon. So mm. it's very, very soon. So I'm excited for that. Steven, thank you very much for being on the show. You can catch all of Steven's writing on screenrant.com. Any podcasts are all under Snyder minute. Uh, you can support Steven with your dollars on Patreon. You can get the exclusives like live streaming recording of the episodes, as well as some occasionally news stuff, uh, such as your covering of DC Chapter One, Gods and Monsters. I have to say, I love that as a chapter title. I think it's fantastic and really does suit with what they've announced so far. And do you have anything else, Stephen, worth announcing? No, I don't think so. I appreciate you I also... picking up Dice's uh, outro for the... <laughs> um, it's, 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 you're, you're repeating him with our Patreon plug. <laughs> Uh, you know what? It's we're, we're we're buddies, so I've give the shout out to where it's. I mean, you guys don't need my help. Uh, it certainly is not the case. But I, how long has it been? Three years or four? How long have you guys been doing it? Oh now? man, uh, uh, I, I don't think four. Twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. So, so whenever three, the first so we one just was. passed three. It was in January, I think January twenty I'm scrolling back as fast as humanly possible. It was March March. 24th. Okay. There you go. So you'll be at four years relatively soon. Yeah, I've listened to... I'm up to date, except for your live recordings. I got small children, so Friday nights, I ain't staying up. Uh, It's not exciting for me. So as I said at the beginning of the show, if you missed it, a a review of... I almost said Flash... Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania will be up on the Monday night. I may or may not have a guest. It might just be me. Uh, some things to also look forward to would be most major blockbusters. I think the week following Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, I can confirm I have finished it. I don't know if you've watched this, Steven, but Legend of Vox Machina Season 2. I finished that as we are recording. I quite enjoy that show. It's the, anima- the cartoon based on the critical role... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons stream. So I quite enjoyed season two. So I might do that as a, I might do this a gap filler to another film or TV show. I haven't really decided. Uh, other than that, you can follow on the Twitter at film realist. Don't forget realists has two E's on Instagram or me on Twitter at Kyle underscore Naranya. That's N O R O N H A. I'll see you next time. <laughs>